Hello and welcome. You are listening to the teaching ministry of Coastal Oaks Church in Rockport, Texas. It is our hope that you will be encouraged and that your desire to follow Jesus Christ will be challenged and strengthened as you listen to this podcast. For more information on location, service times, and what to expect on your next visit, go to coastaloakschurch.org. Now grab your Bible and study along with us as you listen. It's my privilege to introduce today's guest speaker to you, Mike Brister. Uh, Mike is the founder and executive director of Stepstones Ministry International in Center, Texas. If you're wondering where Center, Texas is, it is not in the center of Texas. It is in East Texas. Uh, West Texas is in the center of Texas, if that makes any sense to you. Um, so Stepstones works to mobilize the church for global impact through teaching the heart of the Father to the nations, training people to go, and taking them into nations where the gospel opportunities already exist. Uh, We as a church have partnered with Stepstones a few years back in 2009, 2010, 2011. We went with Stepstones on mission trips to Haiti. And in 2014, a group of uh, Coastal Oaks folks went to uh, Guatemala with Stepstones. And the trip that we were supposed to be on today, actually, uh, was going to be with Stepstones to Guatemala, but we've rescheduled that for later. Uh, So Mike surrendered to full-time ministry in 1983. He's a graduate of Stephen F. Austin University in Nacogdoches, has been a high school coach, a youth and activities minister in a church, has enjoyed 35 years of marriage to his wife, Lori, and has three grown daughters and one granddaughter. Uh, On a personal note, Mike has been both a mentor ministry, uh, a ministry mentor and a friend to me since my college days at East Texas Baptist and someone whose input I highly value and regard. So, church family, would you join me in welcoming today Mike Brister. Wow. Wow. Church, I want to thank you. Andy, I want to thank you. Worship team, choir, thank you for leading us and declaring the gospel this morning through song. Trying to follow the, the advice that we've all heard over these last weeks and days of uh, keep your hands off your mouth, keep your hands off your face. I'm over here crying, and I can't even wipe the tears off my face because <laughs> the glory of the Lord is in this place, and his name is worthy to be praised. He is sovereign in this place. He is sovereign over this world. He is sovereign over all things, even that which our world is panicking over this day. He's sovereign over this. He's sovereign. It's not taken him by surprise. And we today were able to, to gather in this place. And there, there, there are bodies of believers that are worshiping in unique ways this morning continuing to praise and lift up the name of Jesus because they're, they're doing it in wisdom. And in every location, there's a, a different uh, way we need to approach this. Uh, and so the, the best thing we can do is to acknowledge that he is sovereign, pray for wisdom, which he tells us we can ask for, and he'll give it in abundance. But we must ask that wisdom without hesitation, without doubt. So that we're not tossed here and there and yonder, as it says in James. 
Let's not be tossed by the waves of this news and that news and this saying good things, this saying bad things, this saying, let's keep our eyes on the author and the perfecter of our faith as we read in Hebrews. Because if we keep our, our eyes focused, I think we sang about that, what we focus on gives us a different desire. That which we, we look, we look at Jesus, we seek things differently. For if our eyes are on the author and perfecter of our faith, what is he doing? What does an author do? He writes novels. And God the Father, through his son Jesus Christ, as we keep our eyes on him and we look to him and we seek him, he's writing an epic novel on the tablet of our hearts. And he's going to do that today as we open the scripture. Today we're going to be in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. As you turn there, 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, and as I turn there, I want to echo what Andy said. It's been a privilege over the years to lead Coastal Oaks to the nations of the world. And you might say, well, I didn't go. Let me help you. Let's adjust our understanding of Scripture. See, when in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul is talking about the spiritual gifts and how God has put the body together. Uh, he's not given us. When we accept Jesus Christ, we respond to the gospel. The Holy Spirit comes in as a down payment of that which we are to receive in glory. We will receive things today. When he comes in, he brings at least one spiritual gift into those who have surrendered. And in that chapter, it says that God has placed everyone, say everyone. It says he has placed everyone in the body exactly, say exactly. He's placed us exactly where he wants us in the body. So when, when people walk out of this building and they go into the community as they get on planes and they go to places in the state or outside the state or outside this continent, bearing the, the glory of Jesus out from this body, guess who went? The body went. You, you are a part of that body. And so uh, although you may have never been to Guatemala and Haiti with stepstones by putting boots on the ground, you have been to Guatemala and Haiti because you're a part of this body. Understand? We, 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 are, we function as the body that God has put together. And if we believe this morning that God puts everybody in the body exactly where he wants us, we have to agree that God has us here today exactly for this point in history. I have two or three people who agree with that. Do you believe that today, sitting here as this local expression of the body of Christ, do you believe that you have been placed here and that you're here exactly today, exactly at this time, exactly for this moment, for God to do something? There you go, church. That's called unity. That's called unity, and God works in unity. So in 1 Thessalonians, uh, let's, uh, let's read... 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. Paul and Silvanus and Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians and God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace. We give thanks to God always for all of you making mention of you in our prayers, constantly bearing in mind your work of faith, labor of love, and steadfastness of hope 
in our Lord Jesus Christ, in the presence of our God and Father. Knowing, brethren, beloved by God, his choice of you, for our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power and the Holy Spirit and with full conviction, just as you know what kind of men we proved to be among you for your sake, you also became imitators of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much tribulation with the joy of the Holy Spirit, so that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. For the word of the Lord has sounded forth from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place your faith toward God has gone forth, so that we have no need to say anything, for they themselves report about us what kind of reception we had with you, and how you turned to God from idols to serve a living and true God, and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, that is Jesus, who rescues us from the wrath to come. Would you join me in prayer? Father God, as we have read your word, have we declared the gospel this morning through song, as we walk back through that which we have just read, Holy Spirit, we ask that you would divide the word, that you would touch every heart that is here with the word and the ministry and the encouragement and the conviction for the purpose for which we are here this morning. For the amens were said that we believe that we were placed here not by accident this morning, but you've placed us here for this point in history. And so, Father, we ask through the ministry of your Holy Spirit, empower the Word to touch every heart. Father, the heart that may be hard this morning, that thinks they've got all these things, spiritual things worked out, they figure they have life figured out, and they're not open or receptive. Pray that you would break that hard heart today and that you'd guard the seed that is cast for that person so that the enemy cannot steal it away. We pray, Father, that, that those who will get excited about something new, Father, that, that you will help them remove the rocky soil that they may encounter outside when people begin to challenge them. Help them not fall away from what they hear you speak to them today. Father, for those that are overcommitted, those that are distracted, take that heart, Father, and through the power of your Holy Spirit, kill the weeds, kill the vines, kill the thorns that would choke the word today. Father, those first three hearts, Father, today in a way that only you can, will you bring productivity. And Father, for the heart that is here, that is right, perceived to be received, that they will receive it, they will adjust their life to it, that they will move forward. And as you say, Lord Jesus, in Mark chapter 4, that that heart would produce 30, 60, 100 times more than ever before. And may that be true for this body of believers and body of believers worshiping in unique fashions this morning. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to say thank you to uh, this church for just the way that you've received me so far today. I hope it's the same way when I walk out. Many, many of you have, have come by and said, been praying for you all week. 
I've been praying for you. I've been praying for you today. Uh, thank you. I've, I've noticed that. I've recognized that as, as I've come into this week and as we come, uh, as we come into the service today. Uh, I, can, I can tell you that I have been in services uh, along uh, the corridor of 90, 90, Highway 96 corridor over in East Texas in multiple churches since 2012 when God moved us back to East Texas from Central Texas. And there have been church services where there was not a single prayer offered in a, in a service. But this, you are a praying church. We'll see, we've read that, that Paul is, is praying here. He, he, he's telling this church that he's praying for them. And I just have to believe that your pastor of 25 years, that you miss and that you're grieving him being gone from this place, not gone from earth, but gone from this place. I just have to believe after 25 years of ministry that he's still praying for you today. And don't let that slide. Don't let that be something that you think you just moved away. As a minister who served 11 years at a place and moved, I still continue to pray for that church that I serve. The two, I've only served two churches in my life, and I still pray for those two churches. So you have a pastor that was here that invested in you that I, I'm just confident of his faithful ministry here that he still prays for you and will long into the days forward. Let me give you a little background of this, and we'll jump headstrong into this chapter. Paul is writing to the church in Thessalonica. This church was planted by Paul in his second missionary journey. In Acts chapter 17 is where you can go back and, and read this, but there's, there's a vision that, that is given to Paul called the Macedonian vision, and he, he knows that God's inviting him in. He's calling him in. He's sending him into Macedonia to preach the gospel. And so he enters Macedonia, and he finds himself in Philippi, where he speaks the gospel, shares that Jesus is the Savior, and there's a church. And in Philippi is where he was, he and Silas were arrested, beaten, arrested, and at midnight they're singing uh, in the midst of their turmoil, in the midst of uh, what could have been fear. They're at midnight praising God, singing praises to his name, and God shows up and shows out. Well, the next day they're quietly to be released, and they said, no, bring the authorities that arrested us. We're Romans, and that caused great fear uh, from the Romans who had beaten Roman citizens without trial. And so they're escorted out of town, and they make their way down to the seaport of Thessalonica. Thessalonica being that seaport had people coming and going. It was a major trade route of the day. He makes his way down there, and he goes in, the Scripture says in Acts 17, that he went in for three Sabbaths, establishing that Jesus is the Messiah. The Messiah promised in Genesis chapter 3 that would come and crush Satan. He would be the seed of woman that would come and crush Satan's head. He's the one that would come, and he argues, and this group of believers, this group of people in Thessalonica, they accept what Paul is teaching on the gospel of Jesus Christ. And in his presentation, 
He comes. We don't know how long it has been from the time that, that he was in Philippi, having been arrested, beaten, imprisoned. We don't know the, the time period. But if a person takes a severe beating, I just have to think that when Paul shows up in Thessalonica, he's still showing signs of having been beaten and imprisoned. Maybe he has welts on his arms and his back. Maybe he has a black eye. Maybe he has a puffed up cheek where he's been hit. And in that tribulation time, he stands and declares the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. And in those three Sabbath days of declaring the gospel, a church, a mission church, a new church is formed. And, and because there was tribulation and conflict in Thessalonica, Paul was soon escorted out of town. And a time, a, a, a period of time has now passed. And Paul, because he loves this church, he knows the tribulation that he's been through, the tribulation that, that he experienced while he was in Thessalonica, and the tribulation that he knows is still going on there. His heart is broken. And he can't stand it any longer. If you look in uh, Thess uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter you'll see that. He's, and when I could stand it no more, I, I sent Timothy. So Timothy has, has gone and he's and helped increase the faith of the, the church in Thessalonica. And he spent enough time, we don't know how time, long a time he spent there, but he spent enough time to come back and give Paul a report. And this letter is in response to the news that Timothy brings back of what is taking place in the church in Thessalonica. Let's look at it. He says, to the church. Who's he talking to? He's talking to people who have repented of sin, put their faith and trust in the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, and come together to worship. It says that they're in God the Father and in the Lord Jesus Christ. That word in is a very small word, but it is a huge Huge word. Do you know what the word in means here? It communicates intimacy, closeness. They were in God the Father. They were rightly related. They were intimately related with God the Father through Jesus Christ, who they were in an intimate, abiding relationship for the sake of time. If you're a note taker, Right, go home and read Ephesians. Because if you start reading the book of Ephesians, it says, in Jesus, in Jesus, in Jesus, in Jesus, in Jesus, in him. And it will define that word in, in this letter, more fully. So I encourage you, go home and read the book of Ephesians. Highlight, underlines, underscore, however you need to note, every time it says in Jesus. It's the things that we are when we are rightly related, intimately related with Jesus, and it will set your soul on fire. Come, Lord Jesus. May that be what happens as you digest Ephesians in the next day or two. So he's writing to this body of believers who have trusted Jesus Christ. They're intimately related with the Father through an intimate relationship with Jesus. They've received the grace and they received the peace that only Jesus can give. You know what peace is? Peace out, dude. 
Peace is completed. Say completed. Peace is completed reconciliation. When we come into a relationship with Jesus, an intimate relationship with Jesus, we are reconciled. Our sins that are on our side of the balance is transferred to Jesus. And the scales balance out because he now holds those. We're reconciled and there's peace. When you have a conflict with your spouse or a, a child or a friend or an employee or a neighbor and you set things right, what happens? There is, say it, that's what we're talking about here. There's reconciliation, completed reconciliation brings peace. And this church, because they were in the Father, in the Lord Jesus, had received the grace of Jesus, experienced the peace because they were in completed reconciliation with Jesus. And Paul goes on to say that he's praying for them. He's praying constantly in verse 3. He says, constantly praying in mind of your work of faith. Church, to walk in faith requires work. Not working for your salvation, but working out your salvation, as it says in Philippians chapter 2. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who is at work within you to will and to work for his good pleasure. It, it requires a working faith. And Paul's saying, church of Thessalonica, Timothy has come back, and, and I'm bearing in mind, I keep in mind the work that you're doing, the work that's going on. What's the work? Drop down to verse 9 real quick, because there we can identify a work that's going on. The work that's going on is they're turning from the idols of Thessalonica, the idols that they used to worship, they're turning from those idols to a living, breathing, active, working God. That's faith. Are we turning our eyes to a living, loving, working God this morning? He says, I'm praying for you, and I'm constantly bearing in mind the labor of love. What's the labor of love? Go back to verse 9. How you turn from the idols to serve that living and true God. Coastal Oaks, I've seen your labor of love. I've seen your labor of love of, of, of participating in getting the gospel out by going to Guatemala and Haiti. I've seen you, Coastal Oaks, after the hurricane. What was it, Andy? Uh, hit, where'd he go? He back there. What was it? You, you left with the family and, the, and came back the Sunday, and the hurricane hit on Friday, and you came back Sunday. Uh, I think uh, when I arrived with a load of stuff that uh, we unloaded back here, I think it was Thursday or Friday of the next week, uh, I, I brought a whole truckload of chicken back. Maybe some of you ate some of the chicken that I brought back, and uh, yeah, I got some amens from the sisters in the back row. <laughs> I, was, I was able to come back and partner with you with two churches from East Texas to work in your area cutting trees and doing ministry uh, summer before last. And it's, it's an exciting to, to see a building destroyed back in the back today, Right? Your labor of love continues. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep that labor going. Serve him. Serve him with the gift that the Holy Spirit brought in you that empowers you to do the work of the service in the church. 
Continue that labor of love as the church in Thessalonica was doing and Paul was reminding them. And he says, I'm reminded of the steadfastness of the hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. Look at verse 10 down at the bottom. What's their hope? Their hope is that they're waiting. It's not sitting down waiting. It's a binding, twisted binding of intimacy with Jesus. They're, they're waiting for Jesus to return from heaven. They believe that Jesus is going to return one day. Do you? Do you as an individual, do you as a church, do you live in anticipation of Jesus Christ, the hope of Jesus Christ returning to take you to full glory? That's what Paul is saying this church is about. We need more churches in the United States in the Bible Belt, believing, living, active, mission, missional, on-mission churches that are walking out that which we're looking at in in the church of Thessalonica. He says, your faith, your love, and your hope in the Lord Jesus Christ who is in the presence of God the Father. In God the Father. It shows the unity. It shows the intimacy, the oneness that we talked about earlier. Now it's between God and the Father. I mean, the Father and the Son. Well, what is Jesus presently doing on our behalf as he is intimately related with the Father? Well, if we believe Scripture, in Romans 8.34, it says that he lives to intercede for us. It means today, as you sit here believing by your testimony that God has placed you here for this moment, Jesus is sitting by the, by the, the right-hand side of the Father. He's saying, Father, uh, Mary is with child. And she's ready to have this baby. Give her strength to have it and bring it, in this he- bring it into this world healthy. Wouldn't it be great if you knew exactly what Jesus was praying on your behalf as an individual and your behalf as a body of believers? Wouldn't that be exciting? But no, church, that he is interceding for you. He's talking to the Father on your behalf right here, right now, so that you can know him intimately. He's speaking that. And if we believe what Jesus said about what he would be doing when he left this place in John 14, I'm going to continue where Andy left off a while ago. In my Father's house are many households. If it were not so, I would tell you. But I go and prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come again and take you to be with me so that you can be with me where I am. See, Jesus is praying for us, and he's working on our behalf, preparing things for us. So, in the presence of Jesus. Paul goes on in verse 5. Verse 4, he says, Knowing, brethren beloved by God, his choice of you, church, individual members of the church, Are you convinced, do you know with certainty that God has chosen you? Jesus said to his disciples in John 15, you didn't choose me, I chose you. Are you convinced that you're chosen of the Lord? Paul's saying, 
I know that you're chosen. He calls them brethren. Two different times he calls them brethren here, which is an intimacy among the body. He said, you received the gospel. It didn't come to you just in a word, but it came in the power of the Holy Spirit, and it brought full conviction for you to repent of sin, acknowledge sin, repent of sin, and surrender your life to Lord Jesus Christ and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. It brought that full conviction. And he said, and just as you know what kind of men we proved among you to be for your sake. You see, Paul and Silas and Timothy, they didn't come into town just preaching the word. They came backing up the preaching in the word by the faith of the work and the hope of Jesus Christ that they had received and were working for. They, the Thessalonians saw that they were different. They weren't just speaking something. They were living, and they became, according to verse Six, because Paul and Silas and Timothy had walked in the power of the Holy Spirit, proclaiming the word, being what they said that everyone could be, it said that they became an example. Okay, in, in verse six, you also became imitators of us and of the Lord Jesus Christ. Church, we all need people in the faith that we can look up to and we can imitate only to the point that they are walking in biblical obedience to Jesus Christ and his word. We need those people. I have those people in my life. I have Carl Smith, who was an education minister that I worked with for a long time. He became the pastor of the church where I was serving. Ken Eels was pastor of that church for three years. And God called he and his wife to go uh, to East Africa as missionaries. MacNeil Moore, godly, powerful, praying deacon in that church. I still go by the nursing home where he is in Center, Texas, and we visit and pray together. Valuable mentor, valuable man that I can imitate. He and his wife were such an influence in our lives that one night my wife walked in and she said, when I grow up, I want to be like Mac and Bonnie. When we moved from Central Texas back to East Texas, we almost bought their house. Henry Blackaby, author of Experiencing God, Knowing and Doing the Will of God. God has allowed me to cross that godly man's path three or four different times at key points in life where I could have bailed and run away from God, but as a one to imitate. As long as they are imitating our Lord and Savior, we need those people, but we also need to be those people as this church was being. They began to imitate what they, were, were, what they saw and what they were taught. It says that they received the word. Church, as you have been faithful to, as you've been faithful to proclaim this morning, as you will need to be faithful to in the future, you need to constantly be receiving the word of God. If you look over in chapter 2, if that's the first Thessalonians Verse 13, it says, For this reason we constantly thank God that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but for what it really is, the word of God. You will need to make sure that you stay intimately related to the Father through the Son 
in his word, empowered by the Holy Spirit. Receive the word that is preached as long as biblical teaching. Receive the word of God as you have your personal study time in the word. Receive it for what it is, not an opinion of man, but the authority of God. The Thessalonians, they received it in tribulation. They saw the tribulation that brought Paul and Silas and Timothy to Thessalonica the first time. They, they saw those three men run out of town. They had experienced tribulation on their own from the time Paul left to the time that they received Timothy back and then received this letter. There's going to be tribulation in these days, but greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. Greater is he who is in me than any virus that may attack me. Because even if it does take me out and I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, what are we losing? We're gaining glory, right? So don't fear. Be wise. Be in the Word. Know that tribulation's coming, but stay true to the Word. So they received the gospel. They became imitators. That means they adjusted their life to the Word. They received the Word for what it was. And then the Word sounded forth from them. We have a great opportunity, church, in this day to be proclaimers of the goodness of God, to be proclaimers of the excellencies of God, to proclaim the, that God is the God of provision, even when we go to the grocery store and there's no toilet paper. God is still the God of provision, okay? And we need to declare that as we go, as we walk out of this, these walls, We've got to declare the word that we know, the word that we are given, the word that we receive, the word that we've adjusted our life to. Why is that important? Because this is the word of the Lord has sounded forth from you. Not only in Macedonia, which was the, the northern part of Greece, and Achaia, the southern part of Greece, but also in every place your faith toward God is gone. Being a seaport town they got on ships and they went to other parts of the world, taking the word, proclaiming the word. I'm not a preacher. Yes, you are. Preacher means you're a proclaimer. You can tell the things of God. You can tell the word of God that you know. You can tell of the gospel of Jesus. You can share those things. So as they got on these ships and went to the known world on these ships, they took their faith, they took and proclaimed. But also there were ships that were coming into Thessalonica as people got off the ships, I'm sure that they were rubbing elbows with these people who had trusted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And they were claiming the word. And so they began to hear about their faith. And they'd get back on the ships and go home and go to other parts of the world. And they were talking about Thessalonica. It says that, that their faith went out everywhere. The word went out everywhere their faith took them. Where has the faith of the Thessalonians taken them? everywhere. Can I submit to you this morning that the testimony of the Thessalonican church is being declared here this morning? 1,970 years later, we're reading of their faith. Because they were faithful, we have this recorded in God's Word, that we can adjust our life to it, and we can be proclaimers of Jesus isn't it going to be great that if the Lord tarries, 
that in 1,970 years into eternity, God says, look at this, because of your faith, because you responded to the word of God, because you went where I told you to go, you spoke to that person. Look at all the people who have trusted and are in eternity because of your act of obedient, working faith, because you placed your hope in Jesus Christ. Wherever their faith is proclaimed, wherever it went, they took the word. Church B, that type of church. What happens when a church knows that they're called of God, work in faith, labor in love, and are steadfast in the hope of Jesus' return? Look at verse 9. It says, for they themselves report about us what kind of reception we had with you. And it goes back to, to identify that they turned from the idols, that they served the living God, and that they were longing for the return of Jesus Christ. What's it saying? When we live with a mind and a heart of faith in Jesus, laboring where he has us planted, having our eyes looking for the day he returns, people begin to take notice. Church, we need churches in America that walk like the Thessalonian church was walking. Tuesday morning, I will get on a plane in Shreveport, Louisiana, and I'll fly to Providence, Rhode Island, from Providence, I'll drive up about 30 miles to work with a, a new church plant out of a church in Providence, Rhode Island, a 10-year-old church, a 10-year-old church that this will be their fourth church plant in 10 years. And they have three other spots around New England that they're praying, and they're asking God to, to raise up the workers, to raise up the laborers to go in and plant churches. That which was the forming of our nation, the area that, that people came and the faith was, was brought down to what we know as the Bible Belt. They don't walk around thinking everybody's saved up there. They walk around believing nobody's saved up there because they've turned away from the living God. But there are people who have responded to the call. They've had their Macedonian call and they're going and they're planting these churches. And I'll be working with New no, Grace Harbor Church in New Bedford, Massachusetts next week. This time next week, they will have their first worship service in the building that we've been helping renovate over the last, since the first week in January. Here's the sad part, ladies and gentlemen. This is why we need churches living like this Thessalonian church. The church building that this new church plant was given sits on the, the two major streets in New Bedford, Massachusetts. If you walk out the door, front doors of that facility and you walk out on the street, you walk out onto County Street. And as you look to the left and as you look to the right on County Street, there are six church buildings empty this morning. Six churches have closed down. The, the church building that 
I will get to worship in next Sunday morning with this new body of believers. No one has been in for eight years. Churches in our New England area are closing down. And you say, well, that's New England. Guess what? It gets a whole lot closer. I know right now today that there are six churches in East Texas that if God doesn't come and move and the people don't repent and get on board with his mission in the world, in five to ten years, there's going to be six buildings shut down. Coast Oaks Church, don't be that church. Keep your eyes on the author and perfecter of your faith. Pray with fervency for God to bring your under-shepherd to preach the Word of God, to live among you. Paul says, you became so, so favorable to us. We, we fell in love with you that not only did we impart the gospel to you, we imparted our life. And that's the pastor you need to be praying for that will lead you further and deeper and continuing to com- proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. And as you do that, people will begin to take notice of how you've adjusted your life to the power and the authority of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it will begin resonating out to other people. Church, be faithful to the call of God, to the gospel that you have surrendered to. Be intimate with him. Be intimate with one another. Serve with the gift that you have been given and the power of the Holy Spirit. And watch to see what's to come. Can I pray for you?